Welcome back to the Trombley Podcast, everyone. Ken Allen bringing you another episode. Happy New Year to you all out there in Internet land. Hope you're driving in your cars early in the morning, getting through a trafficless freeway with the sun rising in the horizon, and you're just feeling the glow, basking in the sun and ready for the new year and the new day. I mean, and just ready to plow. Ready to get behind the plow and dig your own row, mother humpers. That's what I hope for you. It's a new year. I made it. Did you? I hope you're doing well. I hope everybody had a great 2017. I think we all kind of mustered it up and swung through that thing as hard as we could. And uh, I think maybe we all just hit the ball about two feet from the home plate and dug it out dug it out and dug it out and the the catcher bobbled it and he threw it wild and somehow by some way we made it on to first and uh, everyone's going how the hell did we get through that I don't know but dust yourself off and get your head in the game because we got no outs and we got to get around somehow back to home plate having traversed second third and round it towards that old diamond so that's been 2017. I swear to Christ, I did not, in all honestly, honesty, think that I would be um, talking to you in this kind of health this time last year. I, I, I did believe I was going to get through it. At least there was that thought. And, um, but I, I wasn't sure. And that's the first time in my life dealing with something that made me think, oh, right. None of this is granted for us. None of this is really supposed to uh, be around for you anyway. It's a friggin' miracle that we're alive in the first place. Oh, and by the way, nobody owes you shit. If you want something, go get it. If you want to make an extraordinary life, live an extraordinary life. If you want some amazing things to happen in the moment, be on the lookout for those things. And when they pop up, jump into them. And that's the whole goal of the rest of my life, starting with 2018 at least. It started last year, but hey, might as well keep that old momentum going. You know what I'm going to do? As I'm rounding first, I'm going to veer off to the right a little bit and then make that swing left towards second and a straight line. You know what I'm talking about? You guys play baseball. You round that corner, but you kind of go out towards where the first base coach is, and you fucking start jogging, and you start chuck, chuck chugging along towards second i'm gonna i'm gonna pd into that son of a b and that's that's my goal is uh getting the second base hard to dig it out this year enough about baseball uh yeah cancer's a bitch um but it's a really vindictive bitch and she keeps showing up when you least expect it so i i did a podcast a couple of weeks ago talking about my grandfather. Then I piggybacked onto that, and I didn't release it, but uh, I had started bleeding all over again out of my nose. And like always, it's terrifying. It's like just when you think you're, you're over that ex-girlfriend, they start texting you out of the blue, and they start calling you, and you're like, God damn it. When is it going to get the hint? We're over. Leave me alone. And cancer's like, oh, yeah, see how easy it is for me to just insinuate myself back into your life and oh yeah and I think um you know some I, I'm I might be I might be pregnant and just throw you that fucking 
crazy bone and you're like, wait, what, what, wait, wait, what, what? We were done. Anyway, that's what cancer feels like. And nobody's pregnant. But the, the point I'm trying to make is, you know how you feel like you've gotten out of something and then somebody, curveball comes from the back. Somebody's, somebody contacts you and all of a sudden you're drawn back into the thick of it. Just when I thought I was at, out, they pull me back in. And that's how it felt. Uh, and I didn't release that one because uh, I'd had a few drinks. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. But the whole point of it was, I might put it out. I might put it out. I might put it out later. I, I had actually, I was about three beers in. I found this awesome uh, Flemish beer because I can't taste anything. Uh, all I can rely on now is is tongue taste buds. I don't get any other any other flavors. So what's cool about this beer, um, it's called um, Duchess. And it's fantastic. And if you're out there, anyone listening... Um, I'd be happy to, uh, for you to be my sponsor or to be a sponsor. I don't mean the AA sense. I mean straight up, hook me up with free beers, and I'll talk yo shiza up, girl. And that's the Duchess. Because I can only taste uh, sweet, sour, salty, spicy. This is badass because I get the sweet and the sour. So I really liked it, and I had about three or four of those, and I started rambling. This was before I had got any results from the MRI and the CT. So I was just kind of saying, you know what? I don't give a shit. I don't care what this is. I don't care. I'm still living my life to the fullest. I'm going to be out there creating as much as I can create. And uh, I'll be damned if I won't call myself an artist. So I was getting a little bit on my pontification high horse. And it was a little embarrassing listening back to it. But since then... CTs came back, sinuses are draining, skull is intact, the uh, little portion that they put to between my brain uh, and the rest of my, the, they filled in the skull with, that seems to be holding. So the spackle is in place and uh, being reinforced by my own body's calcium, which are all good things. I still hesitate to blow too forcibly out of my nose. However, for all intents and purposes, everything looks good. Aside from headaches, which are going to be normal. Aside from this moment that I get sick, everything is expounded 10 times. The sinuses are all inflamed and I can't see and headaches and uh, any kind of fire I go on still kicks my ass because of just, I can't get stuff in there. I can't get our carcinogens like, like I used to. Along those lines, I, I'm going to start... Uh, working with San Jose Fire to get the Cancer Foundation cemented, get that good foundation down. So I've been in talks with them. Not only that, but we, we're setting up the foundation on um, speaking to lawyers and things and, and whatnot. And one of the big first steps I want is the, uh, to allocate funds towards getting firefighters decontamination sinus flushes those rinses those those neti pots or whatever you got i use a squeeze bottle and i've been on several fires and the amount of soot and creosote that i flush out of my nose when i get back from that fire is astounding it's insane and i'm angry that i haven't filmed it so the next big fire i go on i'm going to do a video interaction well, what do you call those? You know what I mean? But film it and just go, see, this is what's been in my nose on a regular average fire, room and contents. Uh, 
What's inside your nose, guys? Did you ever think to flush it out? You know, let alone those guys that were down in Southern California or up in Sonoma, where they're fighting wildland fires without SCBA masks on. They're in it for weeks. And where do you think I got it? Sinus cancer comes from all of that inhaled soot that sits inside your nose. Didn't flush it out uh, for some reason. I know I was really uh, an olfactory-oriented person before this. So, I don't know, maybe I had a fast-dividing olfactory nerve. And because of the introduction of of all these carcinogens, it just hit me a little sooner than it would other firefighters. But don't think you're out of the woods yet. Those woods are still on fire, and you're still attacking them. And what you need to do is flush out that schnoz, honkies. Get in there with some kind of saline rinse and... (laughs) And you will be repulsively satisfied. Um, I hope anybody watched like Dr. Pimple Popper, you know, and, and, you, and you watch like people like getting all that crud out. If you're like me, and I hope you are if you're a paramedic or nurse or doctor, because it takes people like us with a grotesque sense for cleansing people by popping zits and getting rid of abscesses and things like that to do the job well. You'll appreciate what comes flying out of your nose into the basin. Now, make sure you clean it up because the guys at the firehouse are not going to be too happy. You leave a pile full of charcoal briquette snot inside the sink. So all of that being said, uh, I'm talking with the chief of the department to try and get that at least sent out to everybody as part of the uniform, as part of something they'll pay for. So uh, if, in, until that happens, go out and invest in a, a neti pot, something that the squeeze bottle sinus rinses. I don't buy the saline because I have to do it every day because of uh, just the cancer. I got to flush out normal snots and things that just they won't flush out on their own anymore. So I'll make my own. It's even cheaper. So you go buy yourself a bottle. It's good for as many. I mean, I use it every day and I throw them away maybe every four months, three to four months, and I get a new one. If you barely use it, you'll have it for four or five years. Just use it and make sure you decontaminate it, but you have it. And if you don't want to buy all the saline for it, which may cost money, you can make your own saline rinse with a little rock salt and some baking soda. So boom, boom, make a big batch for the crew when you get back from a fire. Hey, everybody sits around the campfire and snots into a basin. I mean, it's like the days of old. You know, when, when people would sit around the fires, tell ghost stories, and, and snot into snatoons, like a spittoon, but for your nose. Um, and that's what we're going to be working on. See this? This is live TV, not Memorex. Let me see what's, what's happening on this. Hello. I'm recording a podcast. What are you doing? Okay, good. Passing college of Yeah, get something for dinner. That sounds fantastic. No, I'm literally recording right now on the air. Okay. Yeah, grab whatever you want. Okay. Bye. It's those magical moments that um, I want to keep going. So, and that will lead me in my next point. Bottom line, Cancer Foundation, starting in San Jose, got a lot of help from San Francisco firefighters, Tony Stefani and the like. 
they're more than happy to help me with everything along the way, and it's uh, going to work out well for everyone. That's what we're talking about in this, uh, this podcast, New Year's resolutions. What, what's going to happen in the new year? What can you expect from Traumedy? What can you expect from Kenneth Allen and his own foundation and his own company? So that, that's what we're addressing. So that's, that's at the front page. I, I think um, what, I, what I came to realize is I beat cancer for the first, the first attack. And now I'm kind of at this now, this, this precipice. What now? What now? Now, I don't want to wait around for this to rear its ugly head again, for that she bitch to call me back up on the phone at 10.30 at night when you're just drifting off. I don't want to keep thinking about that cancer. So I'm writing the next chapter myself. And the next chapter is, rather than here it came back and I finally perished from that, the next chapter is I start a foundation and I start going out and proactively helping firefighters along the way who unfortunately get the same diagnosis. And how are they going to fight it? Do they have any steps already set up through the city and through workers' comp? And what's the procedure? And they need to know because I didn't know and nobody at San Jose knew how to proceed. No fault of their own. It just rarely happens to people on the job. I shouldn't say that. It does happen more than any other employee in, in, in any other person in any other employment. But for the most part, you get it early, you get it later in life, you get it towards your 50s and 60s and 70s. And so I was the guinea pig in this situation. I was the canary in the coal mine who escaped um, with my head, you know, full of natural gas, but nonetheless still escaped. So now what's my new job? What's my new story? The new story is, rather than wait for this to come back, I attack it head on. I go proactive and I start taking care of firefighters that this happens to. And, God willing, Allah willing, um, I start setting up measures that we take at the fire department to prevent people from getting cancer, which means decon, which means flushing out your nose, which means getting certain soaps that will get rid of the toxicity of this stuff. Whatever it means, talking to researchers about this, getting them on the podcast, getting their information and passing it along to the fleet, to the people out there on the field being exposed to this day in and day out. So that's the next step with the Cancer Foundation. And, and again, look, I, I, I don't like New Year's resolutions can be so overwhelming. And, you, and I make all these big, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. One of the big resolutions I got is just day to day, man. Just do little stuff, just little stuff, and chip away at it, <clears throat> like Andy Dufresne against the wall of Shawshank. Just every day, go at it with a rock hammer and just chip away and make that my goal. The meditative process of, of chipping away is, is the thing. It's not so much the, the conclusion of that. It's, it's the everyday going to work and swinging the axe, you know? And getting comfortable with that. And, and, and the, the steps every day of, you know, Sisyphus going up that hill. Well, fuck it. just get used to the steps as you're going up the hill. You know how it's going to end. It's going to roll back down and you're going to have to go get it again. But start singing a song with the beat as you're going up the hill. And then you got a little something to go for still. And then you're having fun. And then you're on the run. And then, oh, now you fall all the way down. 
but it never is done. And you got to keep going up and down and up and down. And that's, that's life. So, so get in the habit for me, get, I'm getting in the habit of just uh, going up and down and, and just uh, chipping away at it. You know what I mean? Like, like uh, doing a podcast every week, doing a podcast every week, whether or not I got anything to say or not, um, whether or not I want to or not, I better fill it up with something entertaining for you all. And that's a big step for me is getting some ideas together that at least in the meantime, if I'm sitting there rambling and I keep talking about all this self-help bullshit that you probably don't care about or have already looked into and researched, uh, you don't need me spouting it off to you. So I'll talk about it a little bit, but how about throwing out some informative stuff? So how about giving just little useless trivia facts that I learn along the way, I research, and I go, why, why do we do that? Why do we have that in medicine? And, and why, um, why, why do they do that? Why, have you ever wondered what this is, how this is? That's going to be a little segment on here. So the podcast is going to have little segments. Maybe I did a couple last year, this, this week in medicine, what happened in medical history. Um, movie mistakes in medicine, med- medical movie mistakes, stuff like that. I know my mom wants to come on and give those medical mistakes because she's always calling me and saying, did you watch The Good Doctor? Uh, which, no, no, I haven't watched. Oh, my God. Case, you can't watch it. It's, it's, it is so incorrect. I am fuming. And then five minutes into a diatribe about why uh, you can't have someone thanking you while they have an intubation tube in their throat which is very much the case, but it just drives her insane when things aren't medically accurate. You can't suspend disbelief that much when you work in that field. And I get it if it's a movie like Friday the 13th or Halloween, and you're like, why isn't anybody wearing gloves? Or the big one that gets me is, oh, it's the police show up on scene. Obviously, it's not real because they're not wearing bulletproof vests. But when it's a show about medicine, can you at least be somewhat accurate for the love of Christ, amen. Peace be with you and also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up. It is right to give them thanks and praise. All right, all of these amazing things that come spewing through my mouth, um, they're not amazing because I'm saying them. It's just it's amazing that you remember all these things from your past. And when you're an open channel <laughs> and when you start diving into it, you can almost recite your whole childhood, you know. Uh, that's really weird I can do that, you know, that you can like put yourself right back in Catholic school and, and like remember the way that the place smelled and snickering with your friends and getting church giggles. But uh, that's neither here nor there. My point is I want to do little segments on the show and um, maybe it'll be little things like that, little, little stories I remember from being a kid or something. But the big one I had today, how about this? Why do we put people in left lateral recumbent? Now, for you out there who don't know what left lateral recumbent position is, it's laying somebody on their side. We lay them in, or you might have heard if you're doing layman's CPR, you've taken a class, uh, recovery position. We lay them on their side after you get a pulse back or you, they've fainted or whatever it happens to be. Well, in the medical parlance, we call it left lateral recumbent 
meaning we lay them laterally on one side, left one side. We lay them on their left side uh, if they're unconscious or whatever recovery position, but also we'll do it for women who are pregnant. Um, so the question is, why do we do it? Why do we lay them on left lateral recumbent? Well, like for women it, that are pregnant, it's a pretty obvious one. You got a big mass parasite alien growing and feeding on you, absorbing your electrolytes, sucking the marrow hollow in your body, feasting on your blood, um, wholesome things like that. And as it gets bigger and bigger and bigger, well, if you, it's pressing on all the organs and it also presses on the great vessels behind the, uh, the organs in the abdomen. The big vessels are the aorta, which is bringing blood down from the heart to the abdominal organs, down, further down towards the legs. And the vena cava, which is bringing all of that blood from the lower part of the body back up to the heart to be brought to the lungs, get oxygenated, and then back to the heart to get pumped out the aorta and down. And there's a great uh, Happy Day song, if you've never heard it, from Potsy, who sings all about that in scientific detail. So do pay attention to that. Now, if you have a baby laying on those two vessels, on the aorta and the vena cava, the, the sheer weight of that is going to compress those blood vessels and not allow blood flow to get to the outer periphery, to get out to the legs. But more, more dangerously, the return flow of blood will be stopped by the weight of the baby. So some woman who's laying on her back, or supine, um, you're, you're not going to be able to get that blood back. So instead, we remedy this by laying them on the left side. But now, why is it the left side? Why not right lateral recumbent? And I have researched this, so... Straight from the horse's lips. Straight from the horse's lips from, with Kenneth Allen. Okay, so the, the big reason that I have always assumed is if you look at an ambulance, if you look at the back of it, you have, if you're facing, you're standing at those back doors, those, those wing doors, you slide the gurney in, you slide the bed in, and the bed sits in the middle, more or less, but then on the right side of that is called the jump seat. And that's where the paramedic sits. That's where the caregiver sits. And so it would make sense to be able to lay them on their left side so that when they're laying, they're facing you. So you have the ability to visualize them, see how they're doing, and treat them accordingly. Um, only time this doesn't quite work out, and it's happened probably to every seasoned medic out there, is when they're nauseous and they uh, leave a big splattering hurl of, of goop all over your body. Uh, it's happened to me. It happened to me once without realizing I did lay someone who was nauseous on their right side to prevent that. And she spun around the last minute and vomited on me anyway. So it's not always a safe guard to put them on their right side, but um, it may help. Now, so putting them on the left side may make sense so that we can vision, we can look at them, we can see how they're doing, we can treat them and talk to them and we're not, they're not faced away. Um, that makes one, that makes some sense there. Uh, let's see. And then, but putting them on their right side, on their left side may also help 
keeping those digestive juices down. And in order to see this, you may have to look this up, but I'm going to do my best to explain the anatomy of the stomach. <clears throat> okay. Picture a, ironically, a kidney bean. That's also kind of what the stomach looks like. So take a kidney bean and put it against the body. Take a big giant kidney bean, like a nerf-sized kidney bean. Okay, put it just below your chest, just below your chest and your ribs. Now, what you want to do is have the convex side, the humpy side, face the left side. So the convex portion of it is going left and the concave portion is on the right side. That's how your stomach more or less sits inside your, in your body. And there's a tube that runs at the top of it, and it's called the superior part. The top, superior just means above something, right? So the tube runs up to your throat. It's called the esophagus. The esophagus runs straight down and empties kind of right where the concave and convex portion, right at the top there, where, where they would connect. And then, you, uh, and then it empties out at the bottom of that kidney, at the fundus or at the lower part there, into the intestines, more or less, into the um, duodenum, 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 duodenum. That's a great word. I never mind. <laughs> I knew a girl whose face always looked like she was saying duodenum, um, with her lips puckered like that. Duodenum. So uh, <laughs> I just always and look at her and be like duodenum. <laughs> anyway, um, weird. So, so that, that's the shape of it. So if that's the case and you're worried about somebody vomiting, if you lay them on their left side because of the concavity being on the left side, the fluid tends to just fill up in the larger portion of that space into the concave portion of that space. So food is able to rest more effectively in the stomach and not be pushing on the sphincter, the cardiac sphincter, that is between the stomach and the esophagus. And it irritated enough to make you want to vomit. More so than if they were laying on their right side, there would be more of an opportunity for food and irritants. And obviously there's, there's an amount of acids in there that could, if you're laying on your right side, be resting against that sphincter and that upper portion of the stomach and cause the patient to regurgitate. So by choosing left over right on someone who's nauseous, you may just be physically keeping down the fluids and uh, the food and keeping it resting in a more comfortable place rather than uh, jeopardizing it by putting them on the right side. So it's kind of like yeah, they will vomit, but they'll be vomiting away from you. But if you put, face them forward towards you, you put yourself at risk, but you're also lowering your potential for getting uh, pea-souped, you know, getting, um, getting uh, exercised. Let's get physical. Stop it. Okay. Now, I know a lot of people are asking, like, when did this first show up? When did they first come into recovery position? The term recovery position was first introduced by Dr. Bowles, ironically. It's B-O-W-L-E-S, who was a doctor uh, at Victoria Hospital in Folkestone, England, back in 19, 1891. 
Um, that's the worst. It's the worst British. I don't even know where, where my British accent is going at this point. It's becoming a bit more um, uh, uh, Welsh, and I don't like that. But I'm not going to get into it right now. And Dr. Bowles talked about it in 1891, laying a patient on their side. Uh, and it kind of was just like anything new, was met with opposition, as always. Any new idea, that's great, meets with opposition. Anything meets with opposition. I shouldn't say any great idea. Everything gets met with opposition. That's how you know your idea is great, is it makes it through the gridiron. It makes it through the Burma Road. You know, after it gets, it gets pummeled on point time and time and time and time again, and it keeps showing up, that's how humankind realizes, oh, maybe there's something to this. We've tried 18 different ways till Sunday to uh, disprove this, and it keeps working. So maybe there is something to it. And in the 30s and 40s, you start seeing uh, patients, instead of being told to lay supine, laying on their backs, that is, um, they start incorporating this idea of laying them either supine, but their head to one side. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, to keep the trachea open, which is the windpipe. Um, to then in the 1950s, talking about um, uh, turning the patient into what's called three-quarters prone position, which is basically three-quarters prone is one whole uh, left lateral recumbent, or at least later, laterally recumbent. And in the 1950s St. John Manual, if breathing, uh, what? if the patient is breathing uneasily, they're having difficulty, in other words, because they're unconscious, the St. John Manual states to turn the patient onto their side in a three-quarter prone position. The recovery position, or the left lateral recumbent position. And uh, still kind of talked about hearsay, but really the, the place that we get it from is the 1992 American Heart Association guidelines when they stated you could put the per person in a coma position, quote-unquote, which is on, that, on one side or the other, in a Rautex position, same idea, Rautex is the same thing, or high arm an endangered spine position, meaning um, you're putting the arm that's laying, in this case, if they're left lateral recumbent, you would put their, their left arm up above their head. You straighten it out, and you, you put their head resting on that arm. High arm, how are you today? No, uh, high arm in endangered spine, and it was called the Haynes position. So until 1992, you hadn't really seen it. But then finally, the American Heart Association started to talk about the Haynes position, the Rautex, or left lateral recumbent. And that's where all the laymen have really started to take off and, and use that. But really, I mean, it's just as good a position as anything else. Anyway, it's literature. You know that there's been thousands of people for eons doing that that way. But now we always have to have it written in books. And because you studied it, no, we got to do it the right way. <laughs> How about just use your heads? Be intuitive. Look at what you got and handle it, peoples. Get out there and act for the love of anything. Anyway. All right. So that's Senseless Trivia by Ken Allen. Number one. Set out in January 2018. And I got a mess of them. If anybody 
has hung out with me. You guys know what a random trivia psychopath, what a buff I am. I am a buff. I don't even know what that means. Um, I mean, I do know what that means. And uh, I, I just have, I, I love stupid trivia. So you're going to get it all if you keep listening. All right. Now, other things I, I want to do for the New Year's. Get healthy. Spend my money appropriately. Save it to spend it. That's my goal is to save to spend. Save up to use for the appropriate thing. And um, finally, uh, uh, make a make million dollars. And um, just win everybody's approval. That's it. Just everybody loves me. That's what I want. And it starts with you. Um, what can I do to get you to love me? Please love me. Please. I love you. Do you love me? And um, it, really, to get, the, to get my business oriented, that's the whole thing here. So I started my own business. I'm going to be doing classes. And the big ones I want to do are Aside from the lectures and everything that I do at City College, which I haven't been able to do in a long time, uh, I want to get my own things going with that. And also lecture on interesting topics that I have not really seen anyone lecturing on. Big one, neck injuries. Nobody does a lecture on just neck injuries. What are all the... Look, the whole body is funneled through this little, um, uh, little portal, little bottleneck in your neck, right? You got thermopylae. Right, everything goes right through this little spot here, and every single system can be affected there. The nervous system, the respiratory system, the circulatory system, the ner- did I say the nervous system already? The GI tract, everything is funneled through that one spot. How do we handle neck injuries? I would be, I would love to sit through a lecture of an hour to get, um, you know, to get some knowledge about how to treat these things. What's the best way to handle these things? How often do you have spinal damage? How much should we be worried about spinal damage on regular falls? What do we do for someone who's been shot in the neck? I've had that call. That gets ugly. How often are, um, are what am I thinking, of, 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 a, uh, of a clot traveling from the uh, jugular veins down into the heart, which is going to cause some kind of pulmonary embolism? You know, look that stuff up. That'd be interesting to me. I have one already set up about um, recognizing aortic um, aneurysms. Ascending Aortic Aneurysms, I love that lecture. I enjoy doing that one. And if you are interested, uh, there will shortly be ways to get that to your company, to your guys, to yourselves on my website. Other lectures are going to be about cancer. How do you handle cancer? What do you do if you're working and you need to start taking inventory for yourself and your family and you have cancer? Not just the psychological aspects of it and the mental and the, and the physical the physical things you're going to face, but just some very, very principally rational things that you need to start taking into consideration, i.e. notebooks. Which doctors are you contacting? Who are you talking to at what date? And what are they telling you? Things to review to keep your mind focused on the task at hand, which is beating cancer, fighting it. And so I've gotten, over the course of the year, enough information to really get a head start on this and, and to get some lectures together for people that are going to be going through this. And um, I got some great insights for it. So that's, that's a big thing that I'm going to come out with this year. And I'd like to be able to put it online 
so that uh, people, you know, can, can start using it to help themselves and, and to kind of lessen the blow and fall into or, you know, start pushing right through what their, their, treat, what their diagnosis is and to start tackling it with effective treatment. So that's another big lecture that, that I got set up. Uh, that I'm actually, I've written it three or four different times. I have the lecture done, but I keep coming up with other things and I went, ah, oh, that should be in there too. So uh, what I'm going to need is to just run this through with several different people and see what they think about it. That should be going by March. That's all part of this whole podcast thing too. So other than that, um, very simple things. I got a notebook. I always have kept a notebook in my pocket because if I'm writing, usually song lyrics will come out, um, ideas for movies come out, ideas for books, whatever, anything. I gotta, I've always had a little notebook. I, re- I, I don't carry it as regularly as I should. My, one of my goals for this year is always have a pocket book, always. Any idea that comes up that I got, stop, whatever I'm doing, and write it down. It takes 30 seconds. Write it down. And at the end of the day or the end of the week, look at it. See what you think. See if you can work with it. See if you can't. But analyze it. And that also goes for to-do lists. Anything that I think of, I, I will always be driving and think, oh, I got to stop at the hardware store and get that. I'll get to the hardware store one day. And when I get there, I've forgotten all the things that I needed to buy. And as soon as I get home and I start, I'll buy one thing. As soon as I get home, I remember all five other things that I should have bought while I was there. So the goal is to stop, either write it down or take care of it as it comes to my head. And that's another thing. Just stop wasting time. We don't have a lot of time and I've realized that. Just don't waste time. If I think of something I want to do, do it right away. Don't put it off anymore. I I don't see the point in putting anything off. And really, you just judge it off of what am I doing right now? Should I do this? Should I do this other thing? Most of the time, yeah, you just go ahead and really and take care of that really quick. Uh, If I'm driving, you know, I'm driving a lot. I got to commute. If I think of a friend that I go, man, I haven't talked to them in a long time. (sighs) Call them up. Just call them up. Give them a ring. And texting is one thing, but calling is something entirely different. And I want to do more phone calls this year. I want to check in on people. I, I, I kind of got lonely last year. And I don't, uh, I don't have a lot going on. I, you know, I got a great life. But I don't have children. I don't have as big a responsibility as a lot of my friends do. And I shouldn't hold it against them if they can't call me, if they don't call me. That's selfish. I, I, I have enough time. And I want to make that decision this year to call my friends, to check in, to go see more, you know, go movies with them, get lunch with them, hang out, whatever the bullshit excuse is, just spend time with friends and family. And um, I really want to do that. And that's, that's a goal. Make time for other people. You, you know, that's important. And I can do it. And, and maybe they can't. So what I, you know, I have down here is, Call them up a couple of times. And, and a lot of times people just, they, they can't get back to you for one reason or another. Hell, I've done that. I've done it a thousand times. And what happens is, then I start thinking, ah, I got to call them. I got to call them. Now it's been too long. I didn't call. So you know what? I'm going to call people. And when I get to that point where I go, ah, I don't think they can call me back. And I start to get, fuck, fuck them, dude. 
you know, that kind of whatever dude at the time, you know, um, that stupid thing. I went, that's the moment that I go, okay, now I call them three more times. Now I've gotten to that edge. Well, now call them three more times. And after three times and they still haven't called me back, then I got to get on with it. But don't just fall into that initial frustration if they don't get back to me. Because people are busy. And I've done that to people. And that's how things fall apart. And I got the time this year. I'm not saying everybody can do it, but I can do it. So you, you try three, three more times. Three more times. And then see what happens. You know, hey, I don't know if it's going to work. I'm going to try it. So I'll let you know how it goes at the end of the year. So, oh my gosh, it's been 40, 41 minutes almost. Okay, so I didn't realize I was going to go this long. But my goal this year, get healthy. And that's the last thing I'll talk about. Um, I'm on a clean cleanse. I, I learned this a couple years back where it's no sugars, no starches, um, no nightshades, which are tomatoes, potatoes, eggplants, peppers, anything that causes an inflammatory response. And you basically, uh, you have smoothies and you have like one meal of just whole food type things, basically salads and chicken. And uh, it smokes me. It kicks my ass for the first four or five days because my body is seriously dependent on sugar. I had no idea. And your body will fight you the whole way. Don't be surprised like I'm doing it. And I've done it three or this might be my fourth time. But man, at the end of that third or fourth day, I start getting very, very irritable and short with whatever I'm doing. I was working on a car the other day when I was at the end of my rope. And I was able to realize, oh, in the midst of me screaming um, expletives up into the uh, luckily enclosed garage, oh, I guess this is the end of the sugar burning off. Okay, all right. I've been here before. I wasn't that mindful of it the first or second time that I did it. However, now the third time of doing this, I get it. And what I've come to realize is um, I should do some kind of big cleanse at least twice a year. Just do it. it this is a three-week cleanse. And, um, and I'm going to do another one probably at the end of August. So... Aside, and, and the idea is just maintenance on myself. And then, um, and a couple of things I've realized while doing this is, um, one, I can sure, I'm sorry. And if this is bothering you that I'm, I'm really spouting off, hey man, nobody, nobody's keeping you listening, bro. All right? But I, oh, 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 you kind of like this, don't you? You kind of like this dude making an ass of himself, huh? Listen, I'm grabbing the bull by the horns. And I'm wrestling this thing to the ground. But you know what eventually I plan on doing? Riding the bull into the sunset. So um, my goal is with this, I find that the more impeding that I put on myself, the more restrictions, um, the more I'm able to get things done. The more freedom I feel like I have. When I put more discipline on my eating and you know restrictions the more discipline i have to get things done and I, I think that works for everything it's a body thing um i'm eating well and i'm working out more you know it's weird i, I would think i wouldn't have enough energy and i but i do 
I have enough. Or I'll just work till I don't have a lot. And then I just go push a little bit more. See how much you got. Push a little bit more. See what you got. And that comes from that mindset where I want to have sugar. Can't have sugar. Yeah, but I want it. Dad. I want it. Can't have it. No, give me the sugar. Dad. No, you can't have sugar. And then, like, I'll be in the checkout line and I'll be the kid. I will feel like the kid in the shopping cart and I'll be like, Dad, Dad, the re sticks. The re sticks are right there. And I'm looking and I'm like, Oh my God, the re sticks. No, can't have them. No, come on. No, just, we could have like a bite. And it's like, No, you can't. No, come on. Come on. Just, just, no, no, you can't. You can't. No, God damn it. God damn it. And um, that's what it turns into. And I'm, I have this debate with the, by, the duality of myself. I'm, I'm, you know, struggling on a daily <laughs> moment-to-moment basis at times. Uh, also, by the way, no alcohol. Um, uh, no hard drugs. They won't even let you do Plactar. Um, so the point is, I do this enough, and then at some point, my body sees that Reese stick, which are lovely, by the way, if you haven't had a Reese stick, um, and you're not on this diet, go gorge your gullets off right now Reese sticks are the greatest invention since the Kit Kat or the Reese's peanut butter cup combined into like just this beautiful orgy that they those two had one drunken night in Vegas and it just gave birth to this prodigy of fucking titan of of candy so um enjoy the Reese stick so that's just my number one that should be your new year's resolution um, but after doing this over a period of days to weeks, your body goes, there they are. And, and, and I kind of laugh and it's like, they would be tasty, wouldn't they? And you're like, God damn, they would be. It's like, well, maybe in a couple weeks. And somehow you start to rewire yourself. And that new, that new person, that new momentum is, uh, becomes something that is stronger and can get more things done. It's got, there's a trajectory to it. Whereas I was just firing in every direction before. Now um, I've kind of honed the, the overall direction towards a goal, which is getting healthier, eating better, and, and just kind of cleaning out my system. The whole reason for this clean program, by the way, is if your body isn't in an inflammatory response, then it can go in and start cleaning house and get, getting rid of the, the weakened older cells. Hopefully the, the cancer cells fall into that as well. And they just start throwing them all away. You just start sloughing off all of this bad damaged tissue and, and cells and detoxing. And you start feeling great, by the way. You really do feel great. So, And then the other part is um, you don't have time to sit and contemplate about, well, should I have that beer? Should I have a couple of beers right now? I really want a shot, dude. I just want some whiskey. I want some Irish whiskey. No, you just can't. And you tell yourself no, and you fight it a couple of days. And then your body just goes, no, no. And you stop thinking about that. So the energy you would exert on that, am I going to have am I, the hemming and hawing, goes away. And now you're not waffling over waffles or beer anymore. You're just, you're just on that path. No, I can't have that. So what, what am I going to do instead? Uh, I can put this, uh, I got I got fixed my amplifier, which I did, you know, I, I fixed, uh, some shades in my house. So by, by putting restrictions on myself, I've found that things get easier. Things get done. And, uh, that there's some, there's, there's something to be said about that. You know, kicking your ass ends, allows you to kick ass. So, um, kick much ass.
You know what I mean? That's maybe that's the new slogan. All right, Dramedy Podcast, everybody. Kick ass, kick, kick much ass. Dude, all right, kick much ass. Kick much ass. <laughs> What's a chess? <laughs> okay. Um, so, all those things put together, people. I hope, hopefully, you got enough time to get these things done. And remember, we really don't have much time. So, start slow, look at a big goal. And remember, you were trying to get to that mountain, right? But it's all about the step by step thing. And like, get a groove going with your steps. Get a groove going with your steps. Get a groove, get a groove, get a groove, get a groove, get a groove going with your steps. You know, get that shovel slipping. Then slap that shovel on the ground and keep going up. And soon enough, you're going down. And then you realize you get to the top of the mountain, you're like, oh shit, there's like huge mountains around here. I'm gonna go to that one. Can't, I can't make it to that one. Sure enough, you can. And you got to start that thing. I don't know. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking is the goal here. We're climbing, but we're climbing with fun. And, and, and when it's hard, that's also part of the mission too. Nobody says it's going to be easy. You know, There's no easy way there. But if you start knowing that and you start doing the hard shit, well, you're one step closer because you weren't doing the hard stuff the day before. So you, you, you're one closer because now you're doing the hard stuff. And there's a lot of people not doing the hard stuff. So you're a little bit ahead of them if you like to think about it in the, in the race sort of way, you know, the rat race. Um, you're going to beat them, but they may catch up because sooner or later you're, they're going to see what you're doing and they're going to want to do it. And now you've got competition. And competition can be a good thing too. I think I'm starting to ramble because I'm definitely hypoglycemic. Um, and with that said... Happy New Year's, everyone. Try, hopefully, you know, like I said, getting healthy. I'm going to get this uh, a little bit uh, more buttoned down and maybe start making some money with this podcast and make it something worthwhile that you can pass along. So um, it's, not just, uh, it's not just somebody on the outskirts. It's somebody bringing some quality entertainment to you out there and maybe some inspiration. All right? Now, if you got it, and you most certainly do, Use it. Happy New Year's, everybody. Take care.